All right, so there's a lot of buzz going on this morning about uh, we're headed into Lent this week, Ash Wednesday. I already announced our services are this uh, Wednesday. And then Thursday, we officially start that journey. And uh, many of you have seen uh, this little bracket out there on the, on the uh, usher's desk out there. Now, I want to explain what we're doing. Every year when we go through Lent, we do something devotional, something that represents our own renewal, our own uh, penitence, our own uh, call to discipleship. So as we journey through Lent, last year, you remember, we were walking our way through the um, Lord's Prayer. Remember, and every week when we came to church, we actually got a little devotional that took us, through the, took us through the next week. Day by day, there was a little story and a little prayer for us to do. Well, this year, we're doing something called Lent Madness 2020. Now, don't get this confused with March Madness, all right? Uh, this is a little bit different. And, and what this is, is, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, you know, we can be a little whimsical about our faith, can't we? We don't have to take ourselves too seriously, especially with the things that are going on in our denomination and the way the world is out there today with all the divisiveness and everything we've been talking about for weeks now. So what this is, and what you're going to see when you, when you get this, is there's going to be 32 saints down each side. It's a bracket, just like March Madness. Now, when I say saints, I'm not talking about Catholic saints, St. Saint, uh, Teresa and St. Patrick and so forth. You're going to find some modern saints on here like, uh, like Harriet Tubman is on here, okay? And here's simply what you do. When you go out of church today, there's a whole bunch of these and there's pencils back there. Just go through and you might not even know who some of these people are, but pick who you think will win that battle between those two saints. Now, the, the actual picture of saints doing battle is absurd, isn't it? Because saints have already received their, their halo. They're already gone on to uh, perfection. But what we're doing is we're setting something up here. You, you fill this out and you fill it the whole way down just like you would your March Madness bracket and, and you, find, you, you say what saint you think is going to get the golden halo for 2020, all right? But here's the key. You fill this out and you put it in the box uh, in the narthex out there in the back. The church is going to do this and record everybody's answers. Make sure you put your, your name on there because we're going to give this back to you after we record everything. But in your bulletin, there's a little uh, blurb about Lent Madness 2020, and there's a website there. As soon as you fill out your bracket, you need to go to that website and register your email. And on Thursday, the 27th, you're going to get an email every day, and that email is going to be a little, a little information about those two saints who are on your sheet that day, and it's going to tell you about them, and then right at the bottom of that email, after you say a little prayer, a little box pops up for you to vote which saint you would like to see win between those two. Maybe one of those saints touched you through their mission work or their message, and you make that vote, and then as soon as you make that vote, it's going to pop up of the thousands and thousands of people in churches who are doing this across our nation, it'll say who's winning, all right? And it's going to do that for each day in Lent for you, and then there's going to be the, at the next level, it goes on to the uh, saintly 16, the elate eight, the faithful four, there'll be more information about those saints who are actually winning those little battles and what the, the changes were that they made in our churches. Now, in 2014, Charles Wesley was the winner, okay? And there have been other uh, great winners out there. We'll get to see this year who that is. And this will be something, again, it's whimsical. Uh, we do this as a devotional, but we will be learning about some of the people who have gone before us who made sacrifices and, and paid the price for the freedoms and things that we do today. So, Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. When you walk out of here today, take your bracket, fill it out, put it in the box, then go in and register your email so we can all participate together and kind of keep track of what's going on. We'll have a big poster in the well that we will keep track of the whole way through Lent of how all the saints are doing. And as we finish uh, different brackets, 
we'll announce to you who in the congregation is uh, in the lead in how they pick their saints. It'll be fun. I promise you it'll be fun. I'm going to ask you to participate. And of course, with Ash Wednesday being the beginning of Lent, we start a sermon series next Sunday. And in that sermon series, we're going to be talking about the days of Holy Week. So we're going to break every Sunday down for a day. Normally, Palm Sunday is right before Easter, right? But that is also the first day of Holy Week. So next week, we're going to study Palm Sunday. And we're going to look at it and think about the, the things that uh, went on at that time. All right. So I, I hope you're with me in this. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it, knowing of all the things that we do around here. We got to pick things that are a little bit different. So this has a little bit of uh, sports in it. It has a little bit of devotion in it. And it has the things that I think will really uh, draw us together. Okay, today we are finishing three Sundays in where we're talking about what the characteristics are that make a vital church. The three things that we've talked about in these three Sundays are things that if we want to be a vital church, if we want to be vital Christians, actually if we want to be good husbands and wives, if we want to be good parents, if we want to do good in the businesses that we have, these are things that we could take with us today and they will help us across all areas of our life. These are essential things for us to know not only as a church, but as people. And the first one that we talked about two weeks ago was being clear about our mission. Look, if you, if, if you have a mission in your marriage and you don't know what that mission is, how, can, how do you know how to get to where you want to be? If you have a business and you aren't clear about that mission, how will you know when you get there? So as a church, we have to have a mission, and our mission here in, in words is love and serve through Christ. But basically what that is, is that's our way to say is our mission is to do the things that Jesus did while he was here. So we need to be out healing the sick. We need to be out uh, uh, visiting those in prison. We need to be caring for the poor. We need to be the force of hope and love that Jesus was during his, here, during his time here. We're fishing for people, drawing them closer to Christ. That's the first thing. Then last week, we talked about the second characteristic. Remember what that was? We need to be focused on people. Everything that we do has to be about people. And to be focused on people means that we need to be caring for people. And it, hey, if, if it's a good company, if it's a, good, a, a great leader, if it's a great business, they're focused on people. Because that's just the way it works. We connect with people. We're concerned about people. Okay? So it's being clear about your mission, clear, focused, focused on people. And today we're talking about willing. Willing to do what? The difficult tasks. We need to be... A, oh... Wow, God's speaking now. We need to be willing to do the difficult task if we're going to be a vital church. And that's being willing to do the inconvenience, the difficult thing, the, 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 more, uh, the thing that we might not automatically choose that won't be easy and convenient. And why do we do the difficult task? Because Jesus asked us to. Because Jesus asked to do that. Great leaders, organizations, churches, you know, those are the ones willing to do the hard stuff, even though they don't feel like it. You know, even though they don't want to do it, they do it anyway. And I have to be honest with you, when I'm thinking about these decisions, when these decisions come down the pike for me, it gives me a little bit of an upset stomach because I know what I should be doing, right? But it's, it's not what I want to do. I know the, the place that Jesus is leading me to, but, you know, I want to watch TV. You know, and, and I have to make that decision. I have to make that decision that, Am I going to sit here and watch TV, which is really what I want to do? It's the easy, convenient thing. Or am I going to go over on Saturday morning and help chop vegetables for Chosen 300? Am I going to give up that time? Am I going to make that sacrifice to do that? Or am I going to help transport the food? Or am I going to help uh, serve the food? You know? Should I go down in the basement in the workshop and fix that broken lamp that I've been putting off uh, fixing for three weeks now? Uh, 
Should I do that or should I go serve at IHN or restock the shelves in the food pantry? You see, you see the easy thing and the more difficult thing? There's always these decisions that we have to make. You know, and, and here's what goes on inside of our head, and we all do this. We say, well, you know, I, I could stay home and, and watch TV, or I could go do Chosen 300, but you know the problem with Chosen 300 is, well, you know, I'm going to come over here, and then I'm going to load up the food, and then I'm going to go out to Pottstown, and I don't, I don't know that area very well. And, uh, you know, I'm going to get hot and sweaty because I'm going to carry those things around. And those people, they, they kind of make me nervous. They kind of make me uncomfortable. They're not my people, you know. And besides, you know, somebody else will do it. See, this is what goes on in our head. And the, and the discernment that happens in our stomach is we know what we should do. Why? Because that's what Jesus is calling us to do. So that's the decision that we have to go through. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't take rocket scientists to figure this out. You have a path before you. You always have a, cho uh, uh, a choice to make. Do the thing that I really don't want to do or the easy and convenient path. And of those two paths, when you look at the life of Jesus, the path that he takes is always the more difficult path. That's just the way it is. You know, we, we know how this goes. And this is what Jesus said. Enter through the narrow gate, for the wide gate is broad. It is the road that leads to destruction, and ma many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Jesus is saying, be part of the few. The proud. You know, the Wayne Church family. Be part of that. I mean, sometimes you do things that are a little bit more harder and a little, a little more difficult and inconvenient. Why? Because he's calling you. He's at the end of that path calling you. He's saying, follow me. Come this way. Do this. And, you know, sometimes when I think about this, I have to, to really let this sink in. I have to think about all of those saints that have gone before us. You know, we're doing the March Madness, or the Lenten Madness, and we're talking about saints, so it's a good day to actually talk about the saints that went before us right here in this church. I think about what they sacrificed and what they did. What was their path like? You know, this church was founded in 1890, but it was built in 1891. From the time it was founded to the time it was built was about uh, 15 months. It's an amazing story, you know? And you have to go back to 1890 and 1891. You really have to figure out what the context was at that time. You know, at that time, there were only 38 states. <laughs> yeah, from 1890, 1889 to 1891, we went from 38 states to 44 states. So during the time they were discerning uh, building a church here, they added six more states, and they were up to 44. Can you imagine that? They weren't even, they weren't even anywhere close to 50 states yet. Benjamin Harrison was, was the president. Main, main uh, modes of transportation, either you're on foot, you're on a bicycle, or you're on a horse, or you got on the train. If you were going somewhere. The Dalton gang, they had their very first attempt at a train robbery in 1891 and they failed. Obviously that didn't stop them. They went on to greater crimes. The British Isles became connected to the European continent by phone line. So in 1891 the very first uh, call was made from London to Paris. I don't know what they talked about. But this is what was happening back then. The Wrigley Company was founded and began business in 1891. Uh, in baseball that year, Cleveland had a brand new stadium. The Cleveland Spiders played the first game in their brand new stadium against the Cincinnati Redlegs. And the Cleveland Spiders beat the Redlegs 12 to 5, and Cy Young was the winning pitcher. Isn't that awesome? That's great first basketball game was played. Now, the first official basketball game was played in 1892. Somebody's going to remind you of that. But they played a game in 1891 just to test the rules and see if it actually worked. 
Carnegie Hall was built. Thomas Edison's uh, motion picture camera was patented. And on June 27th, Saturday, June 27th, 1891, the Women's U.S. National Championship tennis match was played at the Cricket Club in Philadelphia. And somebody laid, uh, named Mabel Cahill beat Ellen Roosevelt, three out of four sets. June 27th, 1891. And then the very next day, June 28th, 1891, there was a dedication held for the Wayne Methodist Episcopal Church. Bring up that first picture, if you would, Kevin, uh, right here at this spot. It was a sunny day, and uh, they had just built this church. It was only March of the year before that they decided to even build a church, and, and there it was. So they dedicated that church at the corner of Runnymede Avenue and Luella, which is now known as South Wayne, on the spot that we're standing uh, right now. Now, June 28th, why did they do it on June 28th? That was Methodist Day. That's the anniversary of John Wesley's birthday. He was born on June 28, 1703. So there was this uh, lively group of folks and supporters that gathered at, at uh, the corner there to dedicate this church, and this church was started by four families and 13 members. The land that we're on was donated to the group by George, Child, George Childs and Anthony Drexel. Uh, Drexel and Childs were the ones who developed the town of Wayne because the, the railroad had come through and, and they were set on, on creating this community. And they gave this land to this group of, uh, this small group of 13 Methodists who were having church in a classroom across the street in the school. And they said, if you want this land, you can have it to build a church on it. And it's really, it's really interesting. The original 13 members' families were uh, the Ware family, the Brown family, the Smedleys, and the Post family. And out of those four, they had 13 members. And, and when Childs and Drexel donated the, uh, <laughs> donated the land, they had one condition. You have to let us know where you're putting the horse shed. I guess in building their community, they wanted to make sure that it wasn't in an unsightly place or the, you know, it wasn't, the smell wasn't disturbing others or something. But we have some notes from the original trustees meeting in March 1890 when they're trying to make this decision. They were trying to decide whether they should accept this land or not. And here's the notes from the trustees session. All the brethren at this time keenly felt the responsibility resting upon them in selecting the proper location for the church, future needs, and growth entering into question. You're the future needs and growth. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? So the way I see it, this young church of four families and 13 members had a decision to make. They're, they're having worship and they're having Sunday school in the church across the street and they've got this decision to make. Do we stay put or do we go across the street and enter into this thing where we're going to build a church? Do we stay put where we are or do we do that? Do we stay here because, you know, once we get up to 20 people, we can add some chairs, we can do some things, or do we want to build a church? You know, to get that new church, that involves some things. You know, we're going to have to go ahead and make the plans, raise the money. We're going to have to sacrifice. We're going to have to work through the drawings, the permits, all the details. We're look, it's looked like if we build it, we're going to build it in the wintertime. We've got to deal with the weather. Remember, there's no cars and trucks. This is all horse and wagon. Now, I ask you, if you're in that group of people, which is the easy, convenient choice and which is the more difficult choice? Which of those two choices is more convenient? I mean, they could have made do in the school, right? They would have been fine for several more years, and there was only 13 of them. 
And there were, I'm sure, a lot of people who thought that was the way to go. I mean, why would you want to cut down trees, dig trenches, and sacrifice all that time and raise the money? But that group of 13 individuals was a group that was willing to do the difficult tasks. And how would they pay for it? Well, the estimated cost of the building was $26,300. So they made the difficult task and they moved forward and they went and got a mortgage on the property. They got a $10,000 loan. Aside from that, they got $8,000 in pledges from that small group of people. And they said, let's do it. And they broke ground. They broke ground and started uh, building that church. Now, the only reason that I can think that young church in 1890 decided to do what they did was because Jesus was at the end of the narrow path begging them to do what they were going to do. And Jesus asked them to do it, and they did it. And they thought it would be better to build this new Christian community on this corner of property for the future and the growth of, of the Christian church than to stay at home and watch TV. Well, I guess they didn't have TV, but... I'm sure they had something. But here's the question. What do you think would happen to Wayne Church if they decided to stay home? I'm not so sure we'd be here. I don't think we'd be here today if they took the easy, comfortable route. That's just the way it is. Think of the thousands and thousands and thousands of lives that have been touched and changed over the past 130 years because that small group of Christians made a, a decision to do the difficult thing. The church dinners, BBS, the, the picnics, the homeless meals, confirmations, baptisms, weddings, funerals, mission trips, blanket and coat drives, missionaries sent out to, to other lands, prayers over wars and economic famine. <laughs> Just think of it, uh, uh, of what would have happened, you know? And don't think it was easy. I mean, don't think it was easy for them because they decided to build this church. And then by 1930, they were in such bad shape with the, with the depression that had occurred. They were, in, uh, they were in talks with Central Baptist down the street on whether those churches, two churches could combine because they couldn't make it on their own. And that group of people found themselves in the very same position. They said, what are we going to do? We can't pay the light bill or pay the pastor. They had two paths. And once again, they heard Jesus calling down that narrow path, and they went and they got another loan to pay the pastor and the light bill so they could still be a church. It's an amazing story, absolutely amazing. You know, I... I look at this and I think that $26,000 must have been absolutely an incredible amount of money back then. And they get a $10,000 loan and then they get $8,000 in pledges. And then on that day, Sunday, uh, Jan June 28th, when they actually came and they had their first three services that day, at the end of the day and the plate was over $6,000. <laughs> By the time they opened the building, and had a service, they had wiped out everything but the original $10,000 mortgage. Amazing story. So I need to ask you this question. Are you looking for an easy, convenient faith? Are you looking for the easy way, or are you willing to do the hard stuff that inconveniences you? And I take this story and I overlay it over our denomination right now of what we're talking about and human sexuality and everything. And I'll tell you what, these stories of the people that came forth and started these churches make what we're dealing with now look 
like nothing. And I have to be honest with you, when I think about it, I'm ashamed of myself that it's even an issue. The sacrifice, the planning, the details that they put together and the hard work that they did so that we could do what we do here today should never be forgotten. You know, and I, I, I have these decisions in my life all the time. I, I get prepared for a mission trip, whether it's Costa Rica or Oklahoma or Haiti or whatever, and I'm, I'm, I say to myself, I get that, that upset stomach, like, why am I doing this? I'm going to have to take the malaria pills. I'm going to have to get the shots. I'm going to have to make sure all the paper's in the right place. I'm going to have to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and get on that bus with those other people who don't want to be there, and we're going to drive up to Newark and get on that flight, and we're going to go down there. And then you know what? We get, we get there, we're going to get in a car, in a, in a truck, and we're going to bump over the mountain for four hours to finally get where we're going to stay, and then it's two hours to the work site every day after that, so I can sweat all day and do construction in a developing country where you mix concrete by hand. Who wants to do that? And a, couple, and a bunch of you are going to do it in a few weeks when you go to Costa Rica. You're going to do the same thing. You're going to set out on that journey that takes a long time, spend your own money, and take time off work to do it. Why do you do it? Because Jesus asked you to do it. And you go down there and you, and you bless people, and it's always the same thing when you come back. Pastor Tom, that was the greatest trip ever. I, I can't wait to go next year. I'm like, what? That makes, that's counterintuitive. It makes no sense that's the way it works and that's the way it works when you say hey I'm going to feed the people in Chosen 300 that's the way it works when you go over to IHN that's the way it works when you stock the shelves in the food pantry that's the way it works when you help young lives who are these single moms that need your help it's the same way every time and I want to ask you this question you're 130 years old this year Wayne Church 130 years old are you still the kind of people who will do whatever it takes to love and serve Or are you just a church who wants everything convenient and easy? Because if that's what we're going to be, convenient and easy, we don't have a future. And we shouldn't. But if you're still the kind of, and I'll tell you this, there's a lot of churches out there in the convenient and easy path, and you know them, you've got them running through your head right now, they're dying. They are not going to survive. And I'm telling you today, if you're still the kind of people who say, I'll do whatever it takes because he's my Lord and Savior, he's my master, I'm on his mission, I'm clear about it, I'm going to focus on people and do the tough things, and we offer ourselves to love and serve through Christ, and we let his light shine through us, and we're willing to do those difficult things, I'm telling you right now, we're just getting started. 130 years from now, there'll be some pastor up here in a hover suit just hovering over you talking <laughs> And he'll, he'll be talking about those crazy Christians in 2020 when the church split, but they stayed together. I'm serious about this. I'm very serious. God has so many amazing things for us to do. And these issues that are before us are so small. I, I want to just end this with a quote that if you're like me and you were moving up in in business in the 80s and 90s in the previous century. <laughs> that sounds awful. Um, you, you took the Franklin Time Management course. I mean, you took the Franklin Time Management course, you know you got your little, you got your little calendar and everything, and, and uh, there's one thing I remember from that course. I don't remember anything else, but I remember this, and it's this quote. In that course, it says, the successful business person will be, is willing to do the things an unsuccessful bi business person is unwilling to do. And the successful husband is willing to do the things an unsuccessful husband is to do. A successful wife, a successful pastor, a successful leader in your business, a successful church is willing to do the hard things. 
So I'm inviting you to remember your mission. I'm inviting you to remember why you're here and why those people before us who sacrificed it all in such a way that we could do it, remember and be clear about your mission, and that is to draw people towards Christ and to love and serve for that reason. I'm inviting you to remember it's all about people, to connect people, to be with people, to pay attention to, to, to love and minister people. And I'm inviting you to be the kind of church, the kind of Christian community that does the hard things, that doesn't take the easy and convenient path, but takes the difficult and narrow path. And I want to promise you, when you do that in life, when you do these three things, you find life. You change the world and, and you're changed in the midst of it. And that's who we're called to be. Would you pray with me? Uh, with our